Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we ask by the power of your Spirit that you would come to this place in a greater way and move upon your people. And Father, as we open your word, we would see and know and understand your will and your way and your purpose. Father, we trust you with everything. And so, Father, as we take this next little bit of time here and spend around your word, I pray that it would be fruitful and it would multiply in our lives and we would be obedient to it. And we'll thank you, Father, for all that you've done and everything that you're doing. Father, we truly are humbled that you love us, that you care for us. We worship you today. We thank you. As you open this word, I pray that we would understand it, whether we are giving it, hearing it for the first time or over and over, that, Lord, you would move in it in our hearts. Well, thank you. We'll praise you. We just worship you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I want to talk a little bit today about wisdom and um, sometimes I, I I have subjects that I think that the Lord gives me to preach on and I, I, ask, I keep questioning whether he thinks I'm the guy to do that or not, uh, especially when it comes down to wisdom. Um, I'm not old enough to have enough wisdom. I've got, I've, I've got a few uh, things that I've learned over the years not to do again and I think that's wisdom. How about you? Proverbs chapter 1 verse 7 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. And so as we uh, approach this subject today, I, I, I want you to know that I'm not an expert on wisdom. I'm still learning about it. Would you all agree that you're in that same place? Okay. There is um, a chapter in Proverbs, well, a lot of Proverbs is devoted to it, but there's a chapter specifically in Proverbs that I just, I love spending time in. It's uh, Proverbs chapter 8. How many of you have ever spent time with that? I would encourage you to open it up and look at it. We're just going to touch a little bit on it today um, so that uh, you can just get kind of a little feel of what, what the Lord thinks of wisdom. Um, you know, when we look at the world today, um, we say wisdom is lacking, would you not say? And the world's going crazy. We think that we're living in unprecedented times. I love listening to that when somebody says we're living in unprecedented times. Um, humans are so egocentric that we, what we're going through right now, we think this is this is the greatest and the worst, and the and and it's it's never been like this before. It, this has been like this before, amen. And Christians have survived it. Uh, if you think about uh, when in Paul's day and Peter's day, you know Peter talked about serving the emperor in his letters. Do you know who the emperor was? A man named Nero, who was certifiably crazy, 
and hated Christians, started a real nasty persecution against Christians. Yet, the men of the day, who were leaders, understood that in that position of authority, he still needed to be honored in, in, in that sense. You know, we live in a, in a world right now, and, and a few, a part of it is, uh, if you have gone through the 50s and the 60s, and earlier, some of you are, are there, you see things changing around you, and we, we tend to like to keep things where we were comfortable. And right now, it seems like things are outside of our comfort zone. And I don't, and I, I'm, this is where I, I separate from some people. Uh, I don't want to go back to the way things were. Because the way things were, were not that good either. Okay? How about if we go on and walk with God in a new way? See, this walk that we have has separated us from the world and I'm, I'm trying to find the right words to say this as we, as we discuss this we understand that from the fall of man which was long before we were born two individuals who the Bible says were very good they were made in God's image after his likeness they were sinless made a choice to reject God as sovereign. And in that choice, they chose to make man basically the center of the universe and not really fully understanding that the enemy of their souls who had lied to them would be the God of this world and would be the deceiver of all of their descendants. And so we live with this fall. When man traded the wisdom and the knowledge of God for a lie. We're still dealing with that today. That has been down through history. It's no different. Um, you know, again, we, we think that these, these times we're living in, as I said, are unprecedented, and they're not. Uh, there's nothing new under the sun. Everything that's coming at us has been packaged a different way, down through history, different wording, different worldviews, different things. So as Christians, what are we supposed to do? The Bible tells us that we're supposed to stay steady. We're supposed to trust the Lord and live by faith. Right? The very first thing that we come to in this as Christians, and you know this as well as I do, and, and some of you, maybe it's new to you, but in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, it says we first must believe that God is. That God is. And that He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. That is the that is where faith is found. Believing that God is within this room. If we took a survey, if I asked you this question, who is God? What would you say? Now, here again, that God is a big subject, and I don't know how we would ever really describe that or explain Him because He's beyond our imagination and understanding. But part of this is understanding that there is a God. Now, remember, there are people who believe that there is a God, but they don't believe that God is God. They have a different understanding of God. So first, to come to Him, we must first believe that He is, that He exists, 
that he is all-powerful, all-knowing, and everywhere at once. And then that he is a rewarder of those who sometimes seek him. Is that what it says? It says those who diligently seek him. And I find myself, and I, I don't know if you guys have this problem, but uh, when I become busy in my life and I become uh, uh, focused on other things, I forget to do my devotions in the morning because I have to get up and, man, I've got to move. And I really don't want to get up and give God an extra 15 minutes earlier because, well, you know, I can, get, I can pick it up later in the day. Diligently. <laughs> it's a discipline, walking with God. If you want more of God, you seek more of God. Now, He's given us everything we need by His Spirit, right? So we have everything we need, but to understand and to know Him, and, and I've shared this with you before, and that this is one of the things that we, we need to talk about in the area of wisdom. I think uh, the American church... Uh, for the most part, knows a lot of Bible. There is a an understanding of different things. I, I know people that know scriptures, and they they can quote them upside down, and we can do things. But just because you know something and it's been taught in such a way, doesn't mean that you're wise. Just because you have scripture, that the question is, do you know what to do with the scripture that you have? And that takes time. It takes discipline, it takes discipleship, it takes being with other people who have walked it before you have, it takes those who have failed in it to come alongside you and say, boy, don't do that, right? So wisdom can be attained in many ways by experience and different things, but we can take and we can teach the word just for becoming wiser in the word. Now, be careful when you hear that, 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 I, that you think that I don't think that the Word is important. The Word is absolutely important. It is the thing that God has given us, right? But He has placed His Spirit within us, who is that Word, and He understands this because He wrote it. Wrote it through the prophets and different things. So, if we believe that God is, so what, what we do early on with our children, or our friends, if they come to the Lord... The very first thing that is most important is that we teach them that God is. And then that He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. Because the very first part of that scripture says, For without faith it's impossible, impossible to please God. So we must believe that He is, and that He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. See, the God of this world has perpetuated a lie, which draws people away from the knowledge of God, and it leads to death. This is called the wisdom of the world. And you'll see that through Paul's writings repeatedly. And through many of the, the New Testament uh, scriptures and, and authors. They talk about the wisdom of the world. There is the wisdom of the world. And it leads to death. Because there is no life in it. See, the creator of all... God, who created the universe, has truth and life in himself, which can only be found in Christ, and that is through him being crucified. See, so the lie that the world lives under is perpetuated, and it started again early on, where the question was put into man's mind, did God really say? 
did he really say? Does he really care for you? He doesn't want you to be like him, knowing good and evil. See, those questions are still going over and over in man's mind. So much so that that man himself walks away from God. You know, uh, Paul talks in Romans about the about the wisdom of God in, in creating the universe. If we don't have God, just for an example, if we, if we have uh, someone who is uh, an astronomer or someone who's a geologist or someone who is uh, a paleontologist or whatever ontologist uh, they are, when they look at the world, they don't look at it as having a creator. They look at the world a different way than you do. See, as, as a Christian, when we, when we go out and we look at the stars, the manifold wisdom of God is revealed to us. And if, if I walk out and look at the stars and an atheist walks out with me and we stand there and we look at the stars, I can guarantee you we see them two different ways. The wisdom of the world and the wisdom of God. Now see, the only way the only way that I know that those stars are there because God placed them there is because he has revealed them to my heart and he has opened up my life and I've received Jesus Christ. That is, otherwise, I would be standing right there next to him going, I wonder where those stars came from. I wonder where all those, you know, I would have to account for billions of years and I would have to do this and I would have to. There's all of these things. But when I walk out and I look at the beauty of things, when I look at fossils, I look at fossils differently than paleontologists do. When I look at history, I look at history different, and so do you. This is not about me, it's us. As, as Christians, we view, Chris, view history through a, a Christian worldview as we should. Because from the very beginning until the day Jesus comes back, history teaches us about man's destruction if he walks away from God. Now, when we do this, if the creator of all, God, made the universe, and in the universe it literally speaks of who he is, another man in, with worldly wisdom looks at the very same thing and gets a different idea and a different thought, and he goes a different direction with it. That's how you end up with evolution. If you discount God, you take him out of everything. And we understand, remember, that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Now, there is, and, and when the, the writer of Proverbs is talking about that, he's talking about spiritual knowledge, understanding who God is, understanding life in him. Because there is knowledge outside of that. Because remember the tree that Adam and Eve ate from was what? Tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So there is knowledge in the world that is, and, and not all of it is bad, but it, it's, if it's not based in Christ and it is not based upon what God is doing, then it benefits nothing. Here again, when I look at a fossil, I see something that God made, and I don't see, and I, you have to be all, all have to be careful. Uh, you may understand by what I'm sharing with you here today that I'm kind of a young earther. I don't believe in billions and billions and billions of years. Now, I'm not here to argue that with you today. We can do that later and you can buy coffee when we do it. Or maybe lunch. I eat heavy, so 
Be careful when you call. But I believe that God created everything. Now, you know, to account for fossils and different things, uh, you know, I understand that there was a flood based upon the Word of God. And that flood buried things quickly. And there was uh, heat in the water from the volcanic activity underneath there, which fossilizes things quickly and buries it quickly. When the water recedes, then you have fossils. Now, some of you are going, oh, you flunked that in school, didn't you? No, I used to believe the billions of years thing. But when I got saved, I looked at it and it's different. Do you know, here's the way that I have to deal with this. I'm, and I'm not, I can't say that I'm bound, but I understand that the word is my parameters. Okay? And when the Bible says that death came by Adam, death came by Adam, then everything we see in the world today had to be here when Adam was here. Dinosaurs, all the different things had to be here when Adam was created. You know why I know that? Because the Bible says death came by Adam. Now, it doesn't make me a wise guy. It doesn't make me any smarter because I don't fully understand it. But it sure helps me when somebody comes along and say, billions and billions of years. Well, you have to do that. And then, but in that account, man came out of the ooze, was not a special creation. So when I look at man, I look at man differently. I don't look at man as an animal, do you? I look at man, how the Bible says that that man is, man, woman, do you understand? Okay. An image bearer of the God of the universe, created specifically and specially by him. Everything else he spoke into existence, man he fashioned with his hand and breathed his spirit into it. So, when the evolutionist who does not believe in God, or the atheist who does not believe in God, looks at man, he sees a product of the environment. As, as we watched on... Uh, the Truth Project, uh, Carl Sagan calls us star stuff. If I'm, never mind, I, 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 sorry, I gotta get, I gotta stay on my text. So you understand, when, when we start going outside of what the Bible has given us for boundaries, boundaries are good. Okay. I stay within those boundaries. It helps me stay sane and not look crazy. Well, the world thinks that I'm crazy. But if, if again, if I believe in evolution, then we are nothing more than something from the slime. If I believe in what God said, then we are special creation, the crown of God's creation, and in need of help. So you see... There's, a, there's the understanding of that the fearing the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Now, what we believe puts us at odds with what is being taught in the world today, is it not? The world today, for the most part, believes 
that we are products of our environment, that we're nothing special. Now, there's different uh, thoughts and different religions and things like that, but for the most part, let's just call it the world around us, what our children are being taught. It's most important for us as Christians to make sure that the very first things that our children or our grandchildren or our friends know from us that God is. And that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. And put that foundation in them as early as we can. And as often as we can. So that when they're taught something different, it doesn't seem right. Now, it can cause and create problems for your, your children when they get to, uh, get to school and get to college because they're, and, and let me, let me explain this to you. Uh, we are not anti-education here. Men? Marty Crump is not anti-education. I'm actually going to put that out in front of the church. I believe in education. I do. We have some wonderful, excellent, educators that work within the school district in this church. And I'm proud of them. The work that they do. How they work underneath all of it, I don't understand. But God bless you, you know. But for the most part, a lot of the teachers don't understand. And they're not evil people. (laughs) They're not. Just remember... If they're, in, if they're not in Christ, they're still in bondage, just like you used to be. By the grace of God, you and I, today, are aware of what we're aware of because God freed us up, opened our eyes, set us free, broke the chains. And our responsibility is to help others break those chains and to be freed up. So we have these two competing Wisdoms in the world, the wisdom of the world and the wisdom of God. One leads to life, and the other leads to death. It's just inevitable. The Apostle Paul writes in First Corinthians chapter one, eighteen through twenty four. He said, For the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing. Now remember, make a distinction and understand. That you once were those people. All of us were. I was perishing at one time. When I heard about the cross, you know, I was raised in the church and I, you know, heard about the cross that, you know, okay, Jesus died on the cross for me, things like that. But when I became older, I started doubting that. I thought, you know, how, how important is that? How important is the word? I mean, really honestly, where's strength in dying on a cross? Maybe you found yourself in that same spot. I don't know. But see, if I was, anyone who is perishing looks at that and they don't understand it. And it is folly. And that's what the Apostle Paul says. For the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, being saved, it is the power of God for it is written. I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, and the discernment of the discerning I will thwart. Where is the one who is wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the debater of this age? Where is the one 
who is wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the debater of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? Wisdom of the world, wisdom of God. For since in the wisdom of God, excuse me, The world did not know God through wisdom. It pleased God through the folly of what we preach to save those who believe. For Jews demand signs, Greeks seek seek wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified. A stumbling block to the Jews and folly to the Gentiles. But to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, listen to this. Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. The Apostle Paul is, is... one of the first New Testament writers to really tie Jesus to being the wisdom of God. It wasn't that he wasn't before, but you know, Paul's the one that uses it over and over and over. Christ, the power of God, and the wisdom of God. First Corinthians chapter one, verse twenty seven through thirty one. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. These are things that God has chosen to do. Listen, there's, there's four of them here. The things that he has chosen to do. God chose what is foolish in the world to change, to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even the things that are not, to bring to nothing things that are, so that no human being might boast in his presence, and because of him, Jesus Christ, who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption. Look at this. This was done so that no human being can stand before God and say, well, I've got here on my own. Christ came. He was not what the Jews wanted. He wasn't what they wanted, so they rejected him. The Greeks, they wanted this wisdom and, and knowledge. He wasn't exactly what they wanted, so they rejected him. And there was a plan. From the very beginning, God had a plan. That through the wisdom of the cross, through what the world would look at as folly, he would confound the wise. Saints, today you and I confound the wisdom of the world. Not because of anything that we've done, but what God has done in us in Christ through the cross. You see, in Christ, Jesus becomes to us these four things. Wisdom from God, righteousness, sanctification, and redemption. Those four things were what God does in us in Christ. First of all, we get wisdom. Then our righteousness comes from Him, sanctification, and our redemption. Think about that. In Christ. See, the world is always looking for wisdom. And I've always said this. Um, mankind is, the world's wisdom is, I mean, it's, in, in many ways, it's phenomenal. Look what we've done with the atomic bomb. With, well, let's, let me back up a minute. When we, when we first split the atom, 
nuclear power. What, a, what an accomplishment. And remember, it was done during wartime, and everybody was competing to make sure that somebody didn't get a bomb and destroy the world. Well, you know, we're taught that the good guys got it, and, and the rest of them didn't. Here's what happens, though, when you start pursuing those things, and this is what happened with some of the, the guys that were, were doing the nuclear things. They saw where it was headed. They wanted it for good. They wanted it used for good, but yet... The knowledge of man turned it into a weapon. And look what we're under the threat of today. Now, if man was fully wise about it, you know, we, we make this, um, this power and we do this stuff with these, um, um, you know, nuclear reactors and things like that. But there's, there's something that is made from that that we don't know what to do with. And that's the nuclear waste, right? Now, and again, I'm not wise and smart in this. I just know that, you know, we were smart enough to make something and smart enough to do it. But we're not smart enough to do something with the waste product from it. See, that's what happens in many ways when you seek after these things without God as the center of it. All of, all of science... For years past, for years, and art and drama and everything was all done seeking God and proving God's existence. And so as, as Christians, our understanding of what the world calls wisdom and what wisdom for us is, the only way that we are wise is in Christ because Christ has that wisdom. Amen? Let me... Let me read what the writer of Proverbs says about wisdom. Verse 22 of chapter 8 of Proverbs. The Lord possessed me at the beginning of his work, the first of his acts of old. Talking about wisdom. Ages ago, I was set up at the first From the beginning of the earth. When there were no depths, I was brought forth. When there were no springs abounding with water. Before the mountains had been shaped, before the hills, I was brought forth. Before he had made the earth with its fields, or the first of the dust of the world. When he established the heavens, I was there. When he, God, drew a circle on the face of the deep. When he made firm the skies above. When he established the fountains of the deep. When he assigned to the sea its limit, so that the waters might not transgress his command. When he marked out the foundations of the earth, then I was beside him like a master workman, and I was daily his delight, rejoicing before him always, rejoicing in his inhabited world, and delighting in the children of man. You ever think of wisdom like that? What a description! One of the first things that God created was wisdom. Now, here again, I'm not smart enough to figure out how that works. I just have to read it and trust God that he knows exactly what he's doing. Verse 35, he says, For whoever finds me, wisdom, finds life and obtains favor from the Lord. But he who fails to find me injures himself. All who hate me love death. So if we... Take from the Old Testament to the New, where the Apostle Paul said that wisdom is bound up in Christ. What do we have when we receive Christ? 
life, right? Isn't that what he says? For whoever finds me, finds life. Now, is this Jesus that we're talking about here? No. But in Christ is the wisdom of God. If Christ dwells within us, guess what we have access to? The Spirit of God in us can, through the work of the Spirit, teach us what we need to know. For whoever finds me finds life and obtains favor from the Lord. But he who fails to find me injures himself. All who hate me love death. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, 6-16 through 16. Yet among the mature we do impart wisdom, although it is not wisdom of this age, listen to that, the wisdom of this age, or the rulers of this age who were doomed to pass away. But we impart a secret and hidden wisdom of God, which God decreed before the ages for our glory. For whose glory? For our glory. None of the rulers of this age understood this, for if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written, what no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined, what God has prepared for those who love him. Now, in some ways, you know, we use that talking about heaven, but literally, that is for us here. There are things that he has prepared for us that we can't even imagine that he will do in us and around us. These things God has revealed to us through the Spirit. For the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except the Spirit of that person which is in him? So also no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God that we might understand the things freely given to us by God. And we impart this in words not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the Spirit. Interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual, the natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him, and he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. The spiritual person judges all things, but is himself to be judged by no one. For who has understood the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. Now the enemy is so good at lying to us as Christians that we're not smart, we don't have wisdom, we're not wise. But the Apostle Paul reminds us if we are in Christ, the wisdom of God, the redemption of God, the sanctification of God, are all in Christ. Now, these are things that we know, right? You've heard them over and over in different messages throughout your life. You've heard them here. But in the world today, as we go outside and we deal with the world, understand you can become frustrated with people that you think should know the things of God, but it's been revealed that they don't. They can't. They cannot either physically, spiritually, or any other way, understand what you understand. doesn't make you smarter than them in that sense. We are blessed because of the work that Christ did for us on the cross and us receiving that. So again, when I stand next to someone who is a non-believer and they say things, why should I be surprised? 
if I understand, and again, and here's where where, uh, Christians have to be very careful. We, We can become very arrogant about who we are and what we know. We can forget where we came from. And we can start uh, becoming uh, like the Pharisees. And we can become nasty and we can become arrogant and we can become prideful. Those are things we have to fight against. And again, we have to remember where we came from. Always. The moment we forget that we used to be that person that we're dealing with. And we've forgotten, like the Apostle Paul says, we look in a mirror and we forget what we look like when we walk away. So saints, if I can encourage you today, um, I've probably confused you more about wisdom. Uh, What I would tell you, let's go back and look what I've shared with you in the Word. Read it. Ask the Lord. Because I think James said, if we ask for wisdom, he'll give it to us liberally. You know, and liberally is not necessarily a bad word. I want a lot of wisdom, don't you? Okay. So that's, it's okay to talk, to let that liberal word come off your lips. Okay. But be mindful, saints, that the people that we deal with, they're just, they're blinded and they're bound. We are the ones who have the mind of Christ. The Apostle Paul spent so much time talking about it that that the power of God and the wisdom of God are revealed in Christ. And if Christ lives in us by His Spirit, and if His Spirit dwells in us, us, He reminds us that the Spirit that lives in us is God's Spirit. He knows God. And He knows God's thoughts. So what should we be doing? Spending time with Him. Because the Bible says, will lead us into all truth. Amen? So I just encourage you, and I, I, I fear that I've just shared a bunch of wisdom and, and knowledge with you today without asking you know, how to put it into order and how to walk it in your lives. My responsibility, I think, in many ways is to share this with you. Your responsibility is to seek the Lord and ask Him how you apply those things that you hear and the things that you read. The more time we spend with him, the closer we are with him. Amen? All right. Let's stand. Still good to be saved? I know it's that that, that awkward silence here where my wife usually comes up and I don't know where she's at. What's that? She's in the nursery. Oh, with the youngest. I was traded in for a cute little girl with hazel eyes. Okay, I can do this alone. You are the church of the living God. Saved by Him. He loves you with an everlasting love. Father, I thank you this day as the church. We come before you. You have made us. You have saved us. You have filled us with your spirit. Father, we make the confession that we believe that you are.
and that you are a rewarder of those who diligently seek you. So, Father, as we come today, I pray that you would move within our lives and help us to understand your wisdom, which is foolishness to the world. But it is able to save us, your word says. And so as we walk this out, I just pray that as a church, you would just bring the truth and the understanding of this into our hearts. That we would be better outside these walls and better with each other inside these walls. And that we walk according to your will and your way and your purpose. So Father, I pray your blessing upon your people, upon their hearts, upon their lives. Ask that, Lord, this day you would bless their going out and their coming in. That you bless their families, their businesses, their jobs. Father, we thank you. We worship you together. We ask in Jesus' name that you would be with us in all the things that we do. Help us to be mindful of those outside these walls that are enslaved and in chains and are hurting like we were at one time. Help us to understand that we have the wisdom and the truth to be able to share with them to set them free. Ultimately, Father, you do it, but you use us. So use your church. Move upon it. Father, we thank you and we praise you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.